welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And our student ministries exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Our whole goal is to come alongside parents and helping their kids follow Jesus Christ. And so what you're about to listen to is a sermon that was preached on our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30. And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. All right, so we're continuing our study in... I forgot what it was. What is it, Isaiah? The attributes of God. The attributes of God. Thank you. And can anybody... Okay. When I call on you, you speak up. Okay, and then be quiet after that. All right, so can anybody in chronological order list what we've covered so far? I got a good gasp from Libby back there. Does anybody know the very first thing that Daniel covered? Yeah. The Trinity. The Trinity. And I'm going to ask a clarifying question right after you answer that. Was that easy to understand or hard? Be honest. Hard. Hard. Okay. What was the second thing? Anybody remember Gabe taught? That can be a clue to you. Did you know? The infinity of God. Oh, sorry. Jake? Go ahead. The infinity of God. Okay. Yeah. The infinitude. Infinity. It's so complex I can't even say the word. Okay. Was that hard, Jake, to understand? It sure was. And when I say it was hard, it doesn't mean that we did a poor job communicating it. It just means it's a very complex thing to understand. And then a bozo the week after that preached on something. Do you remember what it was? I think his name was Jake, the guy that did it. Uh, Yeah. The eternity of God. Yeah. God is eternal. And was that easy to understand, Isaiah? Um, Somewhat. Not really. Not really. He's being kind to me. Right? It wasn't that easy to understand. It's very complex. Okay, and then last week we talked about, Daniel preached to us again, and we heard about what? Yeah, the immutability of God. Do you anybody remember what that even means? Because there's another word that's like impossible to even say. Yeah, way in back. Yeah, God doesn't change. And I don't know about you, but some of our small group time after that was just so good to hear about the ways God is so awesome and it will never change. So that leads us to our point tonight. Our attribute tonight. So I want to look at a couple verses before we start. Let's read these together, okay? Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? Also, you might recognize this verse from last year. Let's read it together. Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I've built. Anybody remember what that's from? What? Anybody? Remember who wrote that? Yeah. Okay, it's from First Kings because I put it on the board. You're so smart. David? Okay. No. Who built the house for God? Solomon. Yeah, man, that was even good. You like shot your voice way up here. I heard it way over here. Very good. Yeah, Solomon built Solomon built the temple, even though David really, really, really wanted to. But we're going to talk about tonight the omnipresence of God. So, anybody know what omni means? All. All. 
Okay, so we're going to talk about all, can you break it down? The presents. What's presents? Don't anybody say Christmas or else. Okay, what is present? Somebody help me. Because I can't remember. It's like when you are somewhere. When you are somewhere, you are present, right? I don't know if they do this in school anymore, but they used to call out people's names. And you would have to say present, right? I never could find my presence either. Anyway, uh, bad joke. So, it has to do with God being all present everywhere. So just like the infinitude of God, God has no limits. He is everywhere at once. Just like the eternalness of God, God doesn't exist in time. Remember how we said time was a creature word? Well, the word space is a creature word, not like to infinity and beyond, not like that kind of space, okay? But space, it is not a creator word. The word space does not relate to who God is. He does not live in space. You know, back to that verse in Jeremiah, it talks about how God is everywhere. He's in heaven and he's in earth. And you might think, well, he fills the whole earth and then he fills the heavens. So then that's God complete presence all wrapped up there. But no, it's so much greater than that. It, it has no limits. He's everywhere at once. And I want to show you this. So I want you to use your imagination. Not a white screen. That's not what I want to show you. All right, there we go. So anybody know what that is? Okay, you know, water. It could be a really big lake. I'm going with ocean just for the sake of size. And I want you to pretend like you get out on this little canoe, which probably isn't a smart thing to do in the ocean. Okay, you row out into the ocean, and then you have this guy. And you lean over the edge, don't tip over because there's sharks in this water, okay? And you fill up the bucket with water, and the ocean goes dry because you filled the bucket. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No. That's not right. That makes no sense. Right? If I keep talking like that, you're going to go get JT and say, this guy is nuts. Get him off of the stage. Right? Because if I dip this into the ocean, what happens to the ocean? Nothing happens to the ocean. The ocean isn't like, oh no, boys, we're losing some water here. Right? No. What happens to the bucket in the ocean? It, it might as well be gone. It fills up. It's completely submerged. It would fill up and then fall to the very, very, very deep bottom. And you would never know there was a bucket there. That's how God relates to space. In fact, the illustration breaks down because the ocean ends. So if you take my illustration too far, it actually doesn't work because the ocean does have an end. Even though it's massive, it's too small to use as an illustration for God. That's what I want you guys to see tonight is that God's presence is so massive that we cannot put it into terms that we can understand. It's like filling a bucket with the ocean. He fills everything, everywhere, all around, and he doesn't have an end. And lastly, the omnipresence of God means because he is everywhere, and this is so interesting, because God is everywhere, he displays who he is differently depending on where he is in every situation. 
Because it means that God's in heaven, right? Do we agree with that? We all would agree with that. And, and what, what would God's presence be like in heaven? Anybody? Can you help me understand that? What would God's presence be like in heaven? Okay, he's, he's being worshipped on a throne. Okay, what else? Would you, would you think it... Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah. The Bible says that he is the sun, in a sense. He, he radiates, and we, we basically feed off of God. He sustains us all by himself. How awesome a picture that is. And we could say, I think, that there's joy in heaven. That God's presence is, is amazing and filled with rejoicing. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when we talked about eternity. So that's, that's God's presence in heaven. But at the very same time, let's talk about something on the other side of the coin for a second. You understand that God's present, in a sense, in hell? Yeah. And you know what his presence is there? It's not joy. It's wrath. It's judgment. Because God is everywhere at once all the time, doing everything that is needed in that situation because he is God and he can. And so even when it, in eternity, he will be displaying who he is, his greatness in different ways. Now that's hard for us to understand because at least if you're like me, I am not a good multitasker. Like this describes me when I'm trying to multitask. Like you give me something to do and I can usually do it. But if you tell me while you're doing the thing I just told you to do, I also want you to do this. You'll see in my eyes this wheel. And I'm like, uh, uh I, I just, I'm not very good at multitasking. Now, I believe that God created women much more able to do this. I see it every day in my wife, who is doing 9,000 things at once. And I walk in, I'm doing my one thing, and she's like, can you help with this? And I'm like, no. Because I'm already overwhelmed. Or maybe it's like, you've got an old, old video game system. And a new game comes out. And they lie to you that it's compatible with your old system. And you put the game in your system like this is going to be so fun. And the whole time, all it does is like, tuh, tuh, tuh. I'm like, oh, this is super fun. I'm glad I paid $900 for this, right? Because it, it, it can't handle the processing power of what needs to happen to make it work well. But that's not God. He can do all of these things at once because that is who he is. The exact function and need for every spot he's in all the time. Just look around this room for a second. Just think about that God helps, cares for, sustains. We'll talk more about this in a second. For everyone in this room at the same exact time. Can you do that? If I said, hey, Jake, take care of all these people right now. Could you do that? You can't even take care of yourself, Jake, right? Oh, I'm just joking. Just joking. He can. He's very good. At, he looks so good. All decked out in red and khaki. Yeah, it's impossible because we cannot comprehend what that means. That God is sustaining everyone. 
Now, we could go on and on and on about what the omnipresence of God means, but I want to get to just three points, okay, that I think and I hope will impact us on how we look at the omnipresence of God. So I've titled this Closer Than You Know. Maybe I should show you. Closer Than You Know. And I'm using this phrase, one, because I ripped it off of a song that I think is really good about this topic. But two, because the word know comes up a lot, especially in the teenage vocabulary. It's one of my favorite interactions, but what I mean favorite is like, I hate it. When I talk with my kids and other teenagers, I'll tell them something like, hey, could you pick up that stuff on the floor, please? That's yours. And a lot of times, you know what the response is? No. Well, that's, that's worse. No, no. They, they, they don't say no usually, so that's really good. But what do they say? I know. Wait, what? Like, hey, it's kind of cold outside. You should probably wear a coat. I know. And then they go outside without a coat, and then they catch pneumonia and whatever. <laughs> It's a typical response to say that I'm self-sufficient. I don't need your help. And you guys should be growing in who you are and being sufficient. But sometimes I think we think we know, but we really don't know because we don't act on the knowledge we have. And I think a lot of you would say that God is closer. Yeah, I know he's close to me. I don't need to hear about this. But I'm here tonight to tell you that I think he's I know that he's closer than you know. And so I want to be challenged by what we think about God's omnipresence and what it means for us. So here's the first thing. God is closer than you know by the person and work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. I tried to make that point shorter. I'm sorry. I just couldn't do it. There's just so much there. So I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, it's way in the back of your Bible, and it gets real thin back there, you're close. Okay, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read and start in verse 9. It says this, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let's get down to 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So God is closer than we know, first and most importantly, because of Jesus. 
because of the person and work of Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, God sent Jesus to take our sin. It's there in verse 10. It says, in this is love. Not that we love God. We didn't initiate. We didn't say, hey, God, I really love you. Could you help me out? No, it says other places in the Bible that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. And so God initiated his love to us in that while we were lost and helpless, he sent Jesus to take our sin. That's what verse 10 says, to be the propitiation of our sin. Everybody say it, propitiation. propitiation. I, bet, I bet you a dollar you don't use that word again for like three months. Not you, Daniel, because you will use it. I know you will. Okay, so, yeah. Propitiation just means substitute, that Jesus is in my place. So God sent Jesus to take our sin and to be our Savior so that whoever confesses Jesus, God abides in him. We see that in verse 15 and 16. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. I'm not making this up. It's right there. Isn't that crazy? But when we confess Jesus as our Savior, God abides in us through the Holy Spirit. That is awesome. You think about Jesus' last words to his disciples in Matthew 28, 20. He gives them the Great Commission. He tells them what to do to go make disciples. And then he says this at the very end. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And it seems kind of contradictory, right? Like he's about to float into the sky. And he says, I am with you always. What? That's because in John chapter 16, he, he tells his disciples that it's to their advantage that he goes away. Truth be told, how many of you ever thought like that? That doesn't make any sense. First time I heard that, I remember. I'm like, Jesus went away and this is like a good thing? It is because when Jesus was with his people, how close was he with them? Like shoulder to shoulder, right? Like pretty close. Sorry, this is freaking me out. I don't mean to do that, okay? But yeah, really close. But where's the Holy Spirit? What? He's in you, indwelling you. That is more intimate. That is more awesome because he empowers you. We'll talk about more of that in a second. But he is the person who leads you and guides you and helps you to honor God and follow after him. So God is closer than you know by the person and work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Here's the next thing I want you to see. He's closer than you know, even when you feel far from him. Because I think if you're honest with yourself, if I'm honest with myself, there are times where you just don't feel very close to God. And I think you all know what I mean. Even preparing this message, I'm like, Lord, how in the world do I... Creeds and messages on the omnipresence of God and how you are so close to all of us when at times I struggle. 
with the faith to believe that you are near. I had to go on a walk with my wife and just pray through it. Because so many times we don't feel God close to us, but here's, here's the reason for that. Spoiler alert, it's not God's fault. It's not that God has moved on. It's not that God has made distance with us. Let's talk about why we feel far from him at times. First of all, we have to talk about this word, feel. Do we let feelings run our lives a little too much sometimes? If you were honest with yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I do that. It's cloudy out sometimes, and I feel kind of tired and lazy. And I, I can go so up and down so easily, just basing my life on how I feel. I love this. I, when I thought of feelings, I thought of the song that we sang last week. So I just put the lyrics up here in the bridge. I won't be formed by feelings. I'll hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified with you. Now I'm starting to sound like Mr. Dirks singing in my messages. <laughs> but isn't that so true? So motivated and, and driven by how we feel, yet this truth is really important. I won't be formed by how I feel. I'll reject feelings as the ultimate truth because they're never, hardly ever, true. Instead, we need to look to what Philippians 4, 7, and 8 says. Whatever is true. Whatever is good. And you can read the list on and on of the things it says. And then it says at the end of that, think on these things. It's, it's getting the truth out in front of our feelings and helping the truth shape what we think and feel. But what other causes would there be for us to feel like God is far from us? Well, I think sometimes we believe the lie that only what is seen is truly real. We live in a culture today where it's all about what you see. And I don't watch a lot of TV, but in the month of October, I watch too much TV. And the reason is, is I really like baseball. And so the baseball playoffs are on TV. And there's, at the beginning, a lot of games. And if you know anything about baseball, it goes on for like a few hours every game, right? Well, there are a lot of commercials every half inning. And what do these commercials tell us? You need this. You have to have this. And they have the coolest animation and the shiniest new iPhone. That also coincides with the new iPhone release every October. So every time I just sit there and like, oh my gosh, if I have to watch another iPhone commercial, I'm going to throw my iPhone through this TV, right? <laughs> but, but our whole culture is built around what do you see? What do you have to have? If it's shiny and amazing, it will make you happy. And it starts to train our hearts to think that I, if I can't see it, it must not be real. 
I have to see something to believe that it will help me and satisfy me. And that is not true. I think back to John chapter 20. Jesus has resurrected from the dead. And some of the disciples have seen him, the resurrected Jesus. But there's this one poor guy that we really give a hard time, and I don't know that his faith was that small, but we really kind of hang him out on this one thing. Does anybody remember what his name was, the disciple? Where I'm going with this? Yeah. Thomas. In fact, we hang him out to dry so bad that we have a nickname for him. Like, he, we gave him a new first name, and now Thomas is his last name. Do you know what I mean? Doubting Thomas. The poor guy's name's been changed. Not by God, but by us. But what was Thomas's problem in this one instance? What did he say to the other disciples? They're like, Tom, 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 Jesus is alive. And what did he say? He said, unless I see it, unless I feel it, touch it, I, I, I'm not going to believe. When Jesus shows up, doesn't open the door, just walks right through the wall. And Thomas is like, oh, turns out you were right. Right? And I always pictured Thomas as kind of squeamish, and he actually never wanted to touch the wounds. But Jesus is like, you said you wanted to. And so he's kind of like, oh. I don't know, that part I made up. But that's just how I envision it. Because we get so connected to what we can see and touch and feel. But the reality is there is so much more going on that's way more important in our lives that God's trying to teach us for the things we cannot see. Hebrews 11 talks about how faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we believe the lie that you have to see it. And then I think sin and selfishness creates distance. If you go quickly to Isaiah 59, Isaiah 59, verse 2. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 1. Isaiah is in kind of the middle of your Bible. If you get to Psalms, turn to the right. It's the first verse on the left. I'm just joking. It's not true. 59, 1 and 2 says this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But listen to this. Speaking to Israel, Isaiah the prophet says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. You see, it's not that God is moving away from us. It's that we've placed sin in between us. We talked about in Rooted how God is... You forgot already? He's holy. He can't be with sin. And so, it's not that we aren't going to sin, but when we do sin, do we take care of it? Do we tell God about it? Or do we keep piling it up in the middle of our relationship so that over time we start to lose that closeness to him? 
Because our sin is a barrier to where he wants to be, which is by us. When we sin, do we even start to run away? You know, I think of two people when I think of sin and running away. Way back in Genesis chapter 3, do you remember when Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the tree that they weren't supposed to? It's not called that, the tree that they weren't supposed to. <laughs> anyway, when they ate that fruit, what did they do? Did they go after God and say, God, we made a terrible mistake. We need help. Is that what they did? No, they ran and they hid. And, and God had to come and look for them. Not that he didn't know where they were. But they were trying to separate themselves from God. And that's what sin does to us. It puts a barrier between us and him. The other person I think of when it comes to running because of sin is one of my favorite stories. It's an awful, awful story because it doesn't end well. But Jonah, Jonah was told to go speak to people that did not love God and preach a message so that they would turn and come to him. Jonah, first of all, didn't want to go. So you know what he did? He got on a boat and went to the most difficult city to pronounce in the entire Bible. Ready, everybody? Tarshish. Doesn't that feel funny? It just feels like your teeth aren't in all the way or something. Okay? Yeah. He got on a boat. Don't spit on everybody. Come on, that's gross. Okay. He got on a boat and he went as far, it's basically as far as they could go in that time of the world where they knew. And he thought somehow if I just hang out, actually, I'm not even going to stand on the top of the boat. I'm going to go underneath in the bottom because then God will really not be able to know where I am. What happens? You know the story. God knows he's there. God says, you know what, Jonah? I'm tired of this. I'm going to use a whale to get your attention. So this is our tendency. When we sin, we think, oh, I can't be with God. I just got to run. And you're right that we cannot be with God because of sin. But God has given us Jesus who covers our sin. And so when we confess our sin and believe that Jesus is our righteousness, that pile is removed every time. And we have direct connection with the holy God. And so instead of running like Adam and Eve or Jonah, we should instead be like the prodigal son who finally realized sitting in the filth of this pigsty, you know where I should go? To my rich dad. Who would love me. Well, he didn't even know that. He thought I could at least work for him. But what did the father do when he, when he got to his dad's house? The father came running after him. And embraced him. And treated him like royalty. That's what God wants us to do. Run to Jesus. He is willing to save. Psalm 51, we don't have time to look at it, but it talks about how David says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. You could read that in your small group time. So here, let's get to our last point. But before we do, I think this is a great verse to read together. Let's read this together from Psalm 139. Search me, O God, 
and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. You see, I call that verse a search and rescue verse. Because God wants to search us out. But he doesn't just search us out and say, you have a problem. He searches us out and he rescues us. He brings us home. You think about it from the standpoint of like a search and rescue from like a fire, like a fire truck. Would it be crazy if like the people who do search and rescues, it just said on their trucks, search. <laughs> hey guys, there's someone in trouble. When they get in the truck, sirens flying. They go down to the river. Someone needs help. And they're like, yep, I see him. Hi. <laughs> Would they do that? If they did, I don't think they would be employed very long. Because it doesn't help to just be searched. <laughs> you need the what? You need the rescue. And that's what God wants to do. Listen, listen. God searches for us. He, he, he's in pursuit of us. And he says, I know you need rescue. And so I will provide that way. And Jesus is that way. He looks at our great need and he says, I want to be with you. Here is the way. And we trust in Jesus. We don't have time to go over this, but let me just say this lastly. God is closer than you know to strengthen, love, and empower you. I wanted to bring this up because I want you to know that you're not on your own. Because I still think we can think, i got to do this on my own. i got to get closer to Jesus. I have to work harder. No. God has given us, has given us the Holy Spirit. And, and in Ephesians 3, you can read about this later, how he says he will strengthen us to show us how great his love for us. And he measures it. How high, how deep, how wide, how long his great love is for us. And then he says, I will help you through the Spirit to do more than you could ever ask or think. Because he wants to work in us and through us for his glory. There's no I can't. There's no it's too hard. I don't know how. All of these things God will help you with and empower you through his Spirit. In Romans 8, it talks about how there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. And I want you to know that tonight, that God's omnipresence is huge. And it's complex. And it's difficult to understand. But if you walk away with anything tonight, it's that he loves you and will never leave you. Look to Jesus and trust to him. Trust in him. Let's pray.